0: Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in, and in today's broadcast, It's part two of a two-part live teaching session called Teaching Church that took place at Church of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg, Virginia on March 18th for a group of pastors and leaders from the Virginia District Church of the Nazarene. And in part two of the Teaching Church, Pastor Adrian Mills invited Pastor Sam Montanez to come and share, and Pastor Sam shared on understanding our powers and overcoming our deficits, and we believe... That this broadcast will bring hope for your life.
1: I'm gonna give my brother Sam an opportunity to come get set up and get into place. He's got some slides for us today, he's got some leadership content to share. But let's, before Pastor Sam comes and shares, let's spend a minute uh, praying for our district leaders, praying for Dr. Phil Fuller um, and, and our district team. And so let's pause for a minute, uh, whether you're in the room or online. And let's pray for our leaders today. They serve faithfully, and I know at the local church level we're experiencing all kinds of decisions and how do we move forward. And, and so certainly our district leaders are doing that. And so let's let's pause for a minute and lift up our district leadership today. Uh, Lord, we're again we're grateful that we don't do this alone, and uh, the blessing of a district family is a reminder. And Lord, I, I'm grateful we have Scott on the uh, call today or uh, watching with us on Zoom, and he's brand new to our district, Lord. And every time you bring a new leader onto our district, Lord, I feel responsible as a family that we welcome well, that we we watch out for one another, that we encourage each other. And so today, I, I thank you for the gift of journeying together. And Lord, we thank you today for our leaders. We thank you uh, for Dr. Phil. We pray for him and Cheryl today. Um, I don't know all the burdens that they're facing but Lord, um, just the burden of leading, uh, leading other leaders in this season of trying to keep us unified and and with our eyes fixed on You, and, and encouraging uh, so many, Lord, I, I just pray today You would lighten um, Dr. Phil's burden, whatever the biggest burden he would be experiencing today. Pray that You would encourage him, Lord. I pray that we could be an encouragement to him. Um, I know at times we need things from them, and we've got questions and concerns, but I pray more than anything, we could be a blessing to him today and uh, not just to him for the others that serve in the district resource center and um, in leading uh, across our district, Lord. We're so grateful for their leadership today and we pray blessing over them. Pray for this just upcoming season uh, for our district, Lord, for the credentials meetings that are happening as uh, people are answering the call to respond to your call of ministry, Lord. We just pray this would be an affirming time. And Lord, as we journey towards district assembly, I'm sure whatever that looks like and however that happens this year is going to be unique, but we look forward to an opportunity to celebrate how the mission continues, Lord. The mission has not changed. Your mission has not changed. There are not circumstances, there are not uh, pandemics that change your mission. And Lord, in these days, we're having to get creative. We're having to get flexible. But I just pray uh, that you would continue to bring us together and encourage us as a district. Uh, Be with us now as Sam uh, shares his heart. Lord, I'm excited to sit back and to learn and to gain wisdom uh, on how I can grow as a leader. We all have room to grow. Leaders are learners. And so today, Lord, we want to be learning and growing. And so teach us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh,
2: Thank you, uh, Pastor Adrian. Well, uh, when Pastor Adrian asked me if I would do a little segment... uh, on any topic, uh, I thought, uh, what do I talk about? So um, he suggested, well, talk about something that's happening in your life right now. So I um, uh, was talking to him about uh, the power that we have or authority, whatever you want to call it, influence, and the deficits that we need to overcome. And uh, so uh, we came up with this uh, neat little title, uh, Every Leader Has Power. Uh, to tap into and deficits to overcome, and I know we shy away from the idea of having power, right? Because you know we're all Christians and we think, well, you know, um, that's a position of privilege and so forth, and um, uh, and we we want to we want to be the servant, you know, um, but we all have power. All of us, every single one of us, has power. So every leader has power to tap into and deficits to overcome. Uh, the key is to understand the source of that power. Where does it come from, and how one is using it. And uh, as well as understanding the deficits uh, in our lives that become obstacles, because they do become obstacles. And for some of us, they even become obstacle even into our adult years, and um, keep us from accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish, the progress that we want to accomplish uh, in our lives, and our work, and in our relationship. So uh, with that in mind, uh, every leader has power to tap into and deficits to overcome. It's like the two sides of a coin. So uh, I want to begin by providing a definition of power, uh, and here's a, a, a simple definition that we're going uh, to go with, and the capacity to influence, that simple, and we've all heard definitions of power and influence and authority, but this is what we're going to be using uh, for the talk this morning, the capacity to influence. Richard Gula uh, said this um, about power, he said, power... Is what enables us to make things happen or not Uh, he also says everyone has power but not to the same degree and that's very true we all have power uh, but we don't all have it to the same degree Um, uh, power as influence is always relative to our source It's another thing that he says about power. It's always relative to our source. And uh, I think the statement that uh, really uh, strikes me the most and causes me to contemplate uh, the importance of the power that we have is uh, we are at risk of ethical misconduct when we minimize, ignore, or misuse our power. Uh, If we're not in check, if we're not processing this, if we're not looking at uh, the source of our power, where is it coming from, uh, how we're using it, and so forth, we really run the risk of ethical misconduct. Um, So uh, power often implies privilege, status, uh, being above others, um, but the reality is that we all have it. To a greater or a lesser degree. So, um, some of us use it for good, some of us use it for bad, some of us use it to help others, some of us use it for self gain. Uh, and this is true in every position that, uh, I mean, if you're breathing, you've experienced this. You know, if you work, whether it's a nonprofit, religious organization, secular work, uh, doesn't matter, you, you see this at play. You see this at play. Um, So, uh, some of us may use it to help others, while some will use it for personal gain. Uh, Some use it aggressively, and some shrink back, literally shrink back from using The power that they have given, uh, has been given to them. Um, uh, So with this in mind, I want us to look at uh, six sources of power. Now, these aren't mine. I didn't create this. I didn't write this like Sarah. She's so smart. She's able to write a book. Um, I'm kind of envious of Sarah. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, these are not mine original, uh, and you probably identify with some of these, and then maybe you might think, well, hey, there might be another source of power in addition to that. Um, later I'll give you the sources of uh, where I got the material. But I do want to say that part of this has been for my own personal journey. You know, I got into this uh, just doing a self-evaluation, just trying to be more emotionally intelligent and socially intelligent. So, you know, that's just, this is stuff that I've done for me, for me, because I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better leader, a better uh, team player. Uh, so uh, I just decided years back, you know, I I, I really, uh, there's some things in my life that uh, I need to understand a little bit better. And uh, so I went through this journey. So, um, so here's the first one. Uh, so, primary sources of power, number one, uh, positional power, and we all know this, we all have a position, we all have a title, and with that uh, comes some sort of a power, some sort of a influence, by virtue of the position, by virtue of the title. When someone is chosen for a specific role, with that role comes authority, with that role comes power. We know this. In our context, it would be a pastor, uh, it would be a board member, it would be a director of a ministry, uh, a small group leader, and so on and so on and so on. Hey, listen, everybody has power. Everybody. So uh, the position uh, and title itself provide a platform for influencing others. Um, The second one is uh, personal power. So there's uh, there's also, there's this personal power that we carry, uh, power that is centered on what we do with the unique person God has made us and created us to be. There's power with that. Our gifts, our personality, our knowledge, our education, our abilities, uh, some of these we received at birth, others uh, of these things that we've received by exposure, uh, by privilege, uh, but we all have. A certain level of personal power, and we need to understand this. Yeah, I, I work with some amazing people. Uh, you know, you just saw Sarah; how articulate she is, and uh, Pastor Adrian. Um, if I think somebody is amazing with relationships, this is Adrian? Uh, we had a leader here prior to him who was an amazing encourager. I work with somebody at Hope Distributed who is a really amazing people person. Uh, there's power in that. I mean, there's there is real power in that to uh, you know make some things happen for real good. So um, the next one here is um, God factor power. Uh, This power has to do with the sacred weight that we carry as the people of God, as being called of God. There's the sacred power that we carry by the nature of our calling. So there's power there. Uh, We are often placed in situations to present God. Um, (laughs) we represent something that goes beyond ourselves. Uh, the people and the circumstances, uh, that we're invited into are just incredible. Uh, this past year, uh, it's just been an incredible year where I'm sure most of us have been invited to situations where we thought, wow, what do I do with this? How do I respond here? Uh, what do I say? How do I say And uh, understanding that there's a God factor power that comes with that. We represent God, uh, the Almighty, Mm -hmm. and we literally, as Scripture says, uh, we are His ambassadors. There's a lot of weight that comes with that. Uh, And I never want to forget that. Uh, And because of this, people look uh, at what we do and what we say different. They look at it differently than anybody else. I mean, they really hang on the words that we say uh, to them and the things that we do. Uh, There's another one here, uh, projected power. Uh, This power is uh, power that others project to us or transfer to us. Uh, They do this consciously or unconsciously. There's projected power. Uh, When you walk the hallways at church, listen, people project power to you. Uh, They project power to me. Uh, There's this projected power. Uh, Others project unmet needs and unresolved issues in the hopes that we will meet those needs and resolve those issues. There's this projection that takes place. There's this transference that uh, takes place. Next one is uh, relational power. There's relational power. And this power is given when people entrust us with their fears and secrets. Um, with their concerns, with their life circumstances. Uh, We're invited. Uh, We're invited into their lives. Um, They share things that few others know about them. I mean, listen, when somebody says to you or says to me something about their relationship, they just open the door to their private life. Uh, Man, you talk about being given power uh, relational power there, so uh, this uh, often happens in vulnerable moments like counseling, uh, the death of a loved one, uh, a divorce, a life transition, a tragedy, uh, a crisis of faith. Uh, each time uh, we are entrusted with one of these moments we are given we 're given power we 're given power uh, you know. Uh, I get calls all the time from people, uh, and, uh, people who are not connected with the church. There's a standing, there's a, there's this, this power that comes with that, um, so that's relational power. One more. And uh, please don't roll your eyes on this one. <laughs> but this is, a, this is a very real one. Hmm. Um, and this is probably one that I've, uh, that I've lived and a lot of people have lived uh, wow. that makes a reality. And this is cultural power.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is a very real power. There's, there's yeah. a real cultural power. And, and, and by the way, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. We all have cultural power. Right. Okay. Yeah. We all have it. We all have it. Uh, and this power includes age. Gender, mm-hmm. ethnicity. Uh, some cultures grant power to their elders simply because they are older.
0: Yeah.
2: I remember going to Africa, and uh, one of our team members had white hair, uh, and uh, immediately uh, everybody was looking to them because of the the white hair. Um, in other cultures, in other cultures, men carry more power than women. Men carry more power than women. This is true here in the U.S., but it's even, you know, in, in my culture, the Hispanic culture, this is very true in the Hispanic culture. Um, and even in some Asian cultures and in some uh, Middle Eastern cultures, this is very, very true, unlike the United States. So th- these, are, these are some realities uh, about the uh, cultural power. Skin, skin color, and ethnicity... Uh, Converse a greater or lesser power depending on the geographic location, the social or historical context of the region. Uh, This is reality. I remember uh, when Pastor Carey first invited me out here, um, I flew into Richmond, I rented a vehicle, and I was uh, driving through, and I saw these crosses. Hmm. And that just, that, I began to think, man, what am I getting myself into? You know, Uh, and then I saw, you know, (laughs) Pastor Stephen is here. Uh, uh, Y'all are from Lynchburg. (laughs) And, you know, I come from the big city. And these kind of things. What I'm saying, there are context. These cultural right. context yeah. are real. So I did some really good digging. You know, I wanted to know the context and, uh, uh, you know, w- w- what's the history of Virginia? Uh, <laughs> a lot of Civil War took place here. You know, uh, this is this is. There's some ingrained things. There's some some thought patterns and some uh, beliefs that are ingrained in here. I needed to know that. Um, So why? Because of my leadership. Uh, I need to know how am I going to be interacting with folks and and, uh, how deep is that going to go, how much authority will I have or leverage or influence based on some of those cultural factors and that's a reality. So hey, we all have power uh, to a greater or lesser degree uh, from each of these sources and when they are understood correctly uh, they are truly a divine gift that we can use to bless others for the greater good hmm. they really are um, hey, I want to switch into uh just doing like an assessment of each of these powers uh, and I want to take the senior pastor senior leader position and just under that grid, just look at how that might look okay and for us in each tier, whether you 're a you know um, uh, youth pastor, or a children's pastor, or what a director of a ministry, a uh, leader of a nonprofit. It doesn't matter. Uh, in your position, there is power, and if you assess how that looks, uh, you'd be surprised how might you might change the way you use your power uh, as a divine gift for the greater good. So uh, l- let's look at that. Let's let's look at some of that. So uh, from the position of a senior leader. Uh, You look at positional power. Uh, We look at, uh, as a spiritual leader, uh, you might say, I set the direction and vision for the ministry. That's some big power there. Uh, I speak for God. I don't know of a senior leader who doesn't think they speak for God. As far as a a lead pastor. Uh, People sit and listen to me in his name for 25 to 45 minutes each week. Who would want to do that? <laughs> and they keep coming back. Whether you got 10 people, 30 people, 600 people, 1,000 people, you got some serious power there. That's all I'm saying. You need to assess your power. Uh, I I have the strongest voice in determining distribution of the church's resources like finances, hiring and firing, staff and volunteers, use of facilities, determining priorities of people's time, etc. I know that my senior pastor every so often will say, mandatory that we're all there. Uh, He's just dictating my schedule. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, hey, that's some serious power there, right? You know, you, you see what I'm saying? So we got this privilege with this power that we have, this positional power. So that's just, a, that's just an assessment to give us an, uh, an idea of what power looks like. Uh, personal power I mean look like this. Uh, I'm gifted. I, I'm a gifted communicator uh, and have the ability to move and influence people by what I say and how I say it. Uh, I'm more familiar with the Word of God than most with insights based on years of study as well as ministry experiences. My gifts and abilities enable me to lead and manage uh, the many different parts of my church, uh, delegating responsibilities uh, in order to sustain and build community. Uh, And this is, you know, how do we look at this? The God factor power. Uh, when I speak and teach, people are listening for God to speak to them through me. This is the reality. I mean, there's not a day where I don't wake up and uh, there's not... You talked about decision making on, you know, just to, for your dress. I mean, Sunday mornings, it's like, hey, I already picked up my stuff the night before and I'm ready to go because I'm that kind of type of personality, you know. Uh, Sunday morning comes, I'm kind of paralyzed, you know, and I'm like staring at the closet. And I says, I says well, if, is what I'm going to say congruent with what I'm wearing? Is this going to detract? You may not have that issue, but man, I, I just it's just a serious thing for me. Um, but, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> People expect to hear God from me. And pastor, Sunday school teacher, children's leader, Youth leader, listen, they're expecting to hear God. So, this is this is critical. Uh, people trust me as pastor and representative of Jesus, and they often tell me things about their lives few others know. This is a reality. How many people come to you and say, Pastor, my husband is having an affair. Pastor, my wife is having an affair. This is the third affair she has has just had. I don't know what else to do anymore. Nobody knows that. But they come to you. Because there's a God factor. There's a God factor there. Uh, So this is a a critical thing. Um, People, some of whom are strangers, uh, invite me into significant transition moments into their lives. Deaths, life-threatening illnesses, births, weddings, graduations, and retirements. Um, They want you to speak into their lives. Um, Let's go to the next one here. The uh, projected power. Most of the time, people see my best gifts and qualities, but not my faults. But not my faults. Some idealize who I am, beyond what is true I'm very aware beyond what is true others may be jealous of me they even despise me Uh, people who did not experience positive relationships with their earthly fathers um, or parents often look for affirmation Uh, that's not on your thing that's on my notes Uh, uh, because of my personality a gifts, position, and apparent success as a leader, some people receive everything I say and they do so uncritically. They just receive it at face value. Some some never question it. Some never, you know. So I'm very careful <laughs> not to tell people, you ought to do this. I'll just say, so what do you think you ought to do? <laughs> so uh, understand your power. You have it. Um, let's go to the next one. Relational power. As a result of my years at the church, uh, long-term members are deeply loyal and overlook my foolish mistakes and imperfections. You know, as long as they're not moral mistakes, ethical mistakes, uh, and to a a certain degree. Uh, Every time I offer pastoral care at key transitional moments uh, in people's lives, their love for me and loyalty to me increase. I, I, I recognize that. Every time I serve as pastor or teach uh, and enable people to meet God, I gain a little more power and trust from those I serve. And then let's talk a little bit about cultural power here. How do you, how do you, how do you view that one? Um, how do we, you know... Um, uh, in my context, immigrants in our church attribute to me additional power as an American and as a pastor who has influence in the community. Let me tell you, pastor, even in your community, immigrants will do that to you as well. You have that additional power uh, that they attribute to you. Uh, many Hispanics out of the roots in Catholicism view me with profound, seriously, with profound respect, uh, with access to the profound mystery of God. Um, they call me Father at times. I don't like that. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, right. I've been called, hey, Father Sam at the, the gym. I, you know, when I go exercise, they'll call me Father Sam, and I'm saying, what? Whoa, wait, wait. I says, well, call, just call me Sam. <laughs> that's, that's just a weird thing. Uh, but it happens. You, you, there's this power that's given to you um, and, and so forth. So, hey, we all have power to tap into when we understand it correctly, listen, they truly become a divine gift that we can use for the greater good. So, hey, that's just a little bit on power there. Uh, I, now I want to touch the other... Do I got time for this? Yeah, the, the, the other side of the coin. Yeah. And um, that's the area of deficits. So I want to talk a little bit about deficits. And, and all of us have deficits. All of us. All of us have deficits. I mean. In varying degrees and uh, whether it is a character flaw or a blind spot uh, that uh, we are totally totally unaware of deficits impede they undermine and they sabotage the progress we want to experience in our lives in our work and in our relationships that's that's what they do um, so I want to give you a definition of deficit uh, for this context here having a deficiency, uh, um, a lack or an impairment in amount and in, in quality or in ability uh, or capacity. So oftentimes there's a source to that deficit, uh, just like there's a source to that power. Um, and I'm not going to go into the sources, I'm just going to mention it. You know, deficit could spring from uh, poverty. Uh, lack of opportunity, uh, being underprivileged, lack of education, could be unhealthy pride. Uh, you know, it could be a number of things that will spring up our deficits. Uh, so I want to be able to illustrate deficit in this way, uh, using the story of John and Benjamin. There's no John here today, and I, I was I was saying so. I I, I need to put a name to this. I'm I'm really picky about when I give illustrations, I'll I'll use names that nobody's in the room because sometimes we feel like we're labeled, you know. Um, So uh, here's John and Benjamin. And uh, John, John looks at um, Benjamin and he says, man, uh, Benjamin is a four on the scale of love from 10 to 0. Uh, 10 being the highest john's a john's a four on how he loves people and cares for people uh he's just he's just a four and you know you know what's what's the deal with john and i'm an eight you know uh benjamin's a four and john says i'm you know i'm an eight and uh but when we begin to look at both of their lives and we begin to look deeper into their lives we find that um that john was born into a really good healthy Functional family that loved him, cared for him, uh, just nurtured him uh, with a lot of good affirmation, a lot of good love. Uh, we keep looking deeper, and uh, John has had great friends friends that accepted him, friends that supported him, friends that encouraged him. You know, his friends didn't use him or abuse him, uh, they were just really good friends. Um, and and John, when John got married, uh, his wife has always been there. She's always been faithful. She's always been supportive, uh, and so forth. So, so we look at that, and then when we look at uh, at him, he's already he's already got an advantage. He he's already had a, a platform and an atmosphere where all these things were pluses in his life. Okay, they were big pluses. In his life to help him in his life journey there's some emotional stuff baggage uh, that John doesn't have to deal with ever you know um, and so forth so um, John worked hard and he uh, you know uh, you know through studies and everything else and through personal development he's even able to grow beyond what his family set him up to have Uh, so he's able to reach and, and eight, you know. So by virtue of what he's had, he was already at an advantage. He, he just worked a little bit and he was able to increase a little bit more, you know, in this area of, of being able to, to have good, loving relationships and, uh, with other people. So when we look at, we look at Benjamin's life, uh, hey, Benjamin was born into a real dysfunctional family. He grew up hearing the words, you're never going to amount to anything ever he he was uh, abused physically emotionally uh you know as he was growing up he just struggled uh he didn't he didn't he he wasn't he didn't feel affirmed or respected or valued he was just basically in the way that's how he was made to feel as he was growing up his friends uh, his friends if you can call them that they weren't really friends you know they were just around and uh you know if they can get something out of john they would get something out of john but when things got really tough and when john began to open up you know they just didn't want to deal with that. it just didn't and um uh and then you know uh benjamin gets married and uh as he is navigating through relationships uh, he realized that his wife has been faithful to him a numerous time, unsupporting. It's just having a real tough go of it. So Benjamin decides, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply myself. So he works and he equips himself and he does some learning and some growing and he gets to be a four on this scale of growth. But you understand that John started with a deficit here's the thing you need to understand he started with a major life deficit and he had to overcome a lot just to get to zero and to go beyond zero so in reality his journey his journey has been much much harder and longer and uh, if you had a ladder the rungs on the ladder that he had to climb have been a lot more than John had to climb just to get to a four. Okay. So that's my little example about deficits. Now, we all have them. Whether you were born in a good family or not, we all have deficits. Um, so I just want to share a few things, on uh, just four things quickly, that I personally... Uh, by the way, I'm not Benjamin, uh, but I can relate to Benjamin. In fact, I, I can relate... Uh, hey, listen, I grew up uh, in poverty... Uh, My dad divorced my mom. Um, I never lived with my dad. My mom's a deaf mute, so she had a rough go of it. There's five of us. Uh, But she's also was, because she's passed, a huge inspiration. Because later in life, she had to overcome some of those deficits. And some of those were personal deficits, like handicaps, personal handicap. Without being able to speak, without being able to hear, she did develop a career and she retired from uh, the place that she worked up in Chicago. She learned to drive. She learned to drive. Uh, she decided, had a very key moment in her life, uh, you know, just in my early teenage years, where she decided, I will never take another food stamp check ever again. And she raised five of us. So that's her deficit. She overcame some of those things. Now, I had some emotional scars as a result of that because growing up i would walk through the city and i remember uh going to the garbage cans of the restaurant from restaurant to restaurant just to find a morsel a piece of bread uh, some leftover french fries whatever it is so i can satisfy the hunger in my stomach i'm not proud to say that I, i probably shared this story maybe three or four times Uh, probably this being the fourth time. Not proud of that. It doesn't make me feel better. Uh, But I just want to give you some context on deficit. So growing up, I would walk by a McDonald's or an IHOP. I would, in my mind, this was so ingrained inside of me, I will never, ever be able to eat in one of those places. Now, we have other great places. I'm sure you have a favorite restaurant. You, you have a place where you celebrate your birthday or your anniversary or some sort of a great occasion. <laughs> never mind that. I mean, I, I would have never thought about that. I never, ever, ever thought that I would own a car, let alone a home. I remember when my mom moved us to Chicago the little apartment we lived in. It was a studio apartment. Five of us crammed into the, a studio apartment. It was awful. I remember walking everywhere. I hated it. I hated going shopping. I hated going shopping. We used to take this little, this little cart that opens. It's, it's like a wire mesh cart. You've seen those? With two little wheels. And we walk miles to the grocery store. And I had to drag that stuff home. I was embarrassed. I never had the nice tennis shoes and Converse. That was the big Converse and Pro Keds were the big gym shoes of the day uh, when I was growing up. And man what I would give to have a pair of Converse. Hey, you know how we pay like sixty bucks for those nowadays or seventies? Probably even more than that. They were fifteen dollars at the time. And that was like pfft, I'll never own a pair like that, you know? I used to buy these plastic imitation shoes from Woolworth. (laughs) You can literally, literally, you can slip and slide on concrete with those. That's the best we could do. I had to overcome that. So with that comes some really emotional issues and some other things, you know, some um, uh, self-esteem issues, some inadequacy type of stuff that affects Uh, affects you. So for me, I'll tell you what I I did uh, to overcome some of my deficits. Um, I took the first step. I took the first step. This is about taking the initiative. This is about taking ownership. I just took ownership for my life, for today, for tomorrow, for my future. I just took the first step. Um, I'm the first uh, graduate from my household. Uh, I have a master's degree. Um, I love to learn, uh, but th- th- that, that wasn't easy. Uh, that was not easy. When I was at Olivet, I failed English twice. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It's difficult. I was a bi- it's a big journey for me. Um, so I took the first step. You know, I took the first step to learn. I took the first step to grow I took the first step to change. It was not easy. Not easy. Not easy for me. Uh, hey, listen. I developed this idea that the world does not owe me anything. Absolutely nothing. The world, hey, you don't owe me anything. No, none of you have nothing on me. You don't owe me anything. Hmm. And I just decided that's how I need to, to learn, to look at things. Uh, life really is a gift. Uh, that I get to direct with God's help. So that's the first thing I did. I just took the first step. And um, the second thing I did is um, I used what I learned wisely. I used what I learned wisely. And let me, let me say a little bit more about that. Um, uh, and I'm here, I'm talking about the information I knew about me. I knew about why am I this why why am I angry why why am I so resentful why do I just give up and say well if they don't want anything to do with me well forget them I don't want anything to do with them either Uh, if they don't accept me well you know I I don't accept them you know why why do I do that why 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 is that so ingrained in me Uh, well it gets beaten down in you as you as you grow up right it's part of the part by deficit you might have other deficits so for me, that was a that was a big deal. That you know, how do how do I overcome this? How do I? And so when I learned about my life, where I could have, I could have said I could have said, well, if, you know, if I had a dad at home uh, that was there, supportive and loving and caring and nurturing and, and showed me how to how to you know overcome struggles and and uh, stick with it, finish a project and all this. Other, I could I could have said that. I I, I could have said if we weren't poor. Uh, then life would have been different. You know, people wouldn't be laughing at us or jeering at us or, you know, just making jokes at us and and things like that. If only my mom, if only God would have given me a mother who could speak and hear, uh, you know, then, uh, then listen, listen, listen. I took all that information and instead of using it to excuse and to justify... My deficits in relationship, my inability to to work in a certain environment, instead of using that as an excuse, uh, my inability to be the dad that I need to be or the husband that I need to be uh, or the leader that I need to be, instead of using that as an excuse or to justify, I've decided I'm going to use this information to learn and to change got to do that most people use that information to justify and to excuse their own dysfunctional behavior and that's a reality so that's what I did Uh, I used that information to say okay so this is what I know about my family lineage this is what I know Um, what are you gonna do about it how are you gonna change that how are you gonna make a difference and I use that information to break away and make a difference. Uh, the third thing that I did uh, was to cultivate emotional strength and ability. This has by far been uh, the hardest thing for me: is to have emotional stamina, mm-hmm. strength, and stability. This is a hard thing. Uh, Because uh, if you look at the deficit, when you grow with the deficit, you don't have that. These emotional things usually tend to reappear and come back. This is is a difficult challenge. Uh, It's a difficult challenge. And this is the reality. So much of our life experience have lasting emotional impact. Uh, When those experiences are mainly negative in nature in our formative years... They have an emotional stronghold that manifests itself in our adult years. I've had to deal with that. I'd have to say even until today, I deal with some of these things. They surface and it's like, no. Scripture has taught me to take every thought captive and bring it to the feet of Jesus. Scripture has taught me to think on the things that are true, honoring, lovely. You know, those things. This is what is true about this situation. What is the reality about this situation? Um, And so forth. So I have asked God for strength, for emotional strength. Uh, Really, uh, it's one of my almost daily prayers. Lord, give me the emotional strength and stamina to handle some of these situations. Some other people, that's no issue for them. But understand, this is part of my deficit. I need to understand it so that I can break from it Um, and here's another thing i've done this has been a a real powerful thing for me i ask god not just for forgiveness but for healing some of us make a mistake or maybe some of us have a a, you know our our issue maybe a controlling thing or some of us may may be just an anger thing an impatient thing we ask God, hey, God, forgive me, and so forth. But that co- sort of comes comes back, comes back. You know what I've asked? I've noticed that in my life. And here's what I've asked God. I said, God, I really need, I need your healing. I need you to heal me from this. I mean, literally, I need a deep healing from this. And God has has really helped me. Okay, hey, hey, here's the last one. I um, don't want to bore you with my personal life. Hopefully, you can at least look into your life and say, hey, how are How do you deal with your deficits? You know, Um, I've adopted an outward mindset or what we would say a a positive, I do my best to have a positive mindset Uh, instead of focusing on what I deserve. Hey, listen, uh, on what I'm entitled to, uh, what I didn't have, what I didn't get, I focus on the other stuff, I focus, you know, I look at, hey, look at what I have. Look at what I'm doing. Uh, look at the possibility. See, see, I look at the possibilities of the future. Uh, and, and I've incorporated that into just, just about everything that I do. Um, I just look at the possibilities of the future. What can be done? Hey, listen, um, I look at an old car and I see the possibilities. Uh, You know, I I, I look at people and I see the possibilities. Let me me conclude with this. God is so good.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm on a journey right now. Because my family of origin is shattered. And I'll be careful to say what I say here because it's really private. But I have siblings that still struggle. They struggle. I'm the youngest. And they, they struggle. We're all in our 50s. Some of them are in their 60s. Well, let me say, we're all in our late 50s and <laughs> 60s. <laughs> so, just to clarify. Uh, hey, I know I don't look it. so and That's right. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. all right. right. So I, uh, Overcoming your deficit. I'm overcoming a, a deficit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but... My desire is to change the trajectory and the destiny of every single member of my family. So, when COVID hit, we all know that that's been a global, devastating pandemic. But with the positive mindset, I've decided we can do some greater good with this. So at our campus, we have people connecting from 17 different countries. And people are getting saved. A lot of people are getting saved. But none, well, I'm kind of selfish here, moves my heart. Like the salvation of a man named Anthony. He's 84 years old. He happens to share, he and I share the same birthday. He happens to be my dad. He logs on every week. Every week. As much as he can, he catches our Wednesday night prayers and whatever else pops up on the screen. So he's received Jesus Christ into his heart. Amen.
1: Praise
2: God. Every Sunday I speak with him.
1: Awesome.
2: And we talk about, what is God doing in your heart? Tell me about, Why you left my mother. How did that happen? Tell me how you came to your senses. Tell me how you fell at the feet of Jesus. And we're able to have these conversations. Several weeks back, I gave a message. It was, uh, well, we usually, at anniversary Sunday, which we call it Sunday Without Excuses, we called it something else this year because of the pandemic. Well, I gave a message, a simple salvation message, and I just asked on the feed... Uh, just asked people online, hey, if you prayed with me, and if you received Jesus Christ today, would you just write the word amen on the feed? Man, he wrote the word amen, 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 amen. Mm. <laughs> that afternoon I spoke to him, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday. So, so he's sharing it. He says, I couldn't do it fast enough. <laughs> but he had already accepted. He just wanted to make it. Make it public. Listen, if I'd be honest, I shouldn't even be sitting here. Uh, But I believe God gives us all power to tap into. And we all have deficits that we can overcome. And I pray that He helps us to understand both and use them as divine gifts for the greater good.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: good. Hey, I want to give you some resources here, some books that have helped me along this line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Emotional intelligence by Dino Goldman, right. good book. I'm sure many of you probably already read it. Uh, Necessary endings by Henry Cloud. I had to read that one twice. The uh, Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro. I read that a couple times as well. And some of the materials today comes from his his book. Uh, The Outward Mindset, uh, Seeing Beyond Ourselves by the Arbinger Institute. Uh, By the way, the Arbinger Institute also has a book uh, titled uh, The Anatomy of Peace. Really good book. Uh, I highly recommend it. So, anyways, just want to leave you with those resources. Uh, I'll just leave that on the screen for people to look at and write down. Uh, And uh, thank you, Pastor Adrian. Hey, thank you guys for listening.
1: Yeah, we're going to, we got about 20 minutes left. So we're going to just have some conversation around the table. And we're going to have some conversation uh, via Zoom also. Um, We've got some questions to kind of guide you, but basically around your table, I I don't need a lot of questions. I, I got a lot to unpack today. So, good conversation could go something like this. As you, you think about the six, and maybe we'll put that up there, Pastor Sam, the six power, the positional, personal, God factor, projected, relational, cultural. Which which one do you identify with? Which one do you struggle to see maybe in your yourself? As he was describing it, you're like, oh wow, I do have that power. And then, let's talk about the deficits. Let's talk about, if you would be vulnerable enough, what's what's a deficit in your life that you've had to overcome? And, and you're in the process of overcoming it. And I, I so appreciate Sam's transparency and honesty in saying the temptation is to allow that deficit to justify certain behaviors, to justify certain but uh, in overcoming that. So just spend a couple minutes uh, around your table. I'll be jumping online with those uh, that are with us. Unpack that. What's one source of power that jumped out to you maybe it surprised you maybe you're saying wow I didn't realize I had that power but that's true and then how do you overcome a deficit Uh, what's a deficit in your life and how is the Lord helping you overcome that in some real practical ways so let's spend time unpacking those two uh, areas
0: thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks we pray that it is brought hope to your life. We also would like to invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes.